Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. There is a chance that this is the greatest horror movie of all time. And that's all I need to say in this open. Let's get to it. everybody to this horror movie review of the thing the 1982 version i am your host as always rob coakley joined by dave wilkins hello rob coakley and jesse wilkins hello rob coakley (laughs) how's it going jesse we are gonna review i'm just gonna say it right off the bat one of my favorite horror movies of all time sorry that we're probably already tipping my score here but i've mentioned it before i love the thing i'm so excited to review this movie before we do dave will you hit us with a synopsis i will in remote antarctica a group of american research scientists are disturbed at their base camp by a helicopter shooting at a sled dog when they take in the dog it brutally attacks both human beings and canines in the camp and they discover that the beast can assume the shape of its victims A resourceful helicopter pilot and the camp doctor lead the camp crew in a desperate, gory battle against the vicious creature before it picks them off one by one. Mm. So this is widely regarded as the best horror movie ever made. And there are people who agree with that. And there are people who disagree with that. That's not how I wanted to word that. I was going to say something far more clever, but uh, that boat has passed. So... Uh, I will just say that I'm one of the people that agree with this. This is probably the best horror movie ever made. Definitely the best sci-fi horror. And there are a few different reasons I feel this way. Number one, I mean, Kurt Russell delivers a a fantastic performance in this. He fits that role perfectly. He really carried the movie. Not that it needed to be carried, but he was great in that role. There are are different kinds of horror movies that scare you for different reasons. And you I feel like you either get movies that make you fear the unknown, right? That's one kind of horror movie. Another one is you are afraid of uh, the people around you, right? Like mistrust. Like you don't know if you can trust the people around you. That's a that's an element of fear. And then you're afraid of someone hurting you, whether it's another person or a monster. And this movie takes all three of those and puts them together. You have the fear of the unknown is you don't know what this thing is, right? It's a, a weird alien monster. You don't know where it came from, how it got there, or how it's going to attack you, number one. And number two, you don't know who you can trust because this thing is a shapeshifter. So you have that level of fear where the only people that are in this movie are people that you don't know whether or not they're part of the problem. And then obviously you have a fear of something brutally destroying you. So I think that this movie really tackles that, a really unique element of fear. And I think that's part of the reason why this movie is just the best horror movie ever. Well, while you were given that synopsis and you've tied a lot of this up and laid great, found great groundwork for what we're going to cover in this movie, as you were saying that, I was just wondering, like, do you think that Gotham could ever be a sled dog? Because <laughs> I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see him being 
Well, He's currently giving you the shut the fuck up and take me to bed look. So <laughs> no, I, I don't know if he's got what it takes, but it was kind of a weird start to the movie because you you had this helicopter just shooting at a dog. We're like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? And it became clear after the thing shapeshifted that you now know why this mm-hmm. pilot was was shooting at this or not the pilot, but there was a I think it was like a Swedish soldier who was shooting at this guy. And then he gets Norwegian. out Norwegian and then he starts shooting at the dog accidentally hits one of the guys in the leg and then they shoot back they return fire and take him out and then just kennel the dog and then all hell breaks loose but this movie it started off right off the bat you kind of it was it was chaos at the beginning but then it started to piece together you started to understand why things were happening and then they go check out this norwegian camp that they were at it's all in ruins they find the area with this crashed spaceship and they assume that it's thousand you know very very old ancient kind of area and this this movie was loosely based off of the 1951 version which was the thing from another world this one was a little bit different they i don't know if you guys have seen this one a lot bit different a lot bit different so it was but it was basically like a big a guy in a big monster suit and Mm -hmm. john carpenter wanted to go a different way with it and he ran into a bunch of roadblocks along the way but i really like the way that he did this because he took the general idea of being stranded in the snow with some sort of a monster that they don't understand. And he made it, he evolved it much differently and shaped it around what he wanted to do. And there were still a lot of components that didn't lead to exactly what he wanted. For one, the movie poster, he didn't like it at all. The movie poster, you look at it, it kind of just looks like a spaceman with beams of light coming out of him. Really doesn't capture what the movie has, but they ran with it anyways. So that, that was one thing. There was um, some issues with the animatronics. They ended up bringing in a second guy to help out with the, not animatronics, but like they, they basically use puppets for a lot of the monsters in this movie. I love the effects in this movie. I thought it amazing. came out amazing. And if you watch, I believe there was a documentary on the guy that was doing the special effects in this movie. And he didn't take a day off. This man worked straight through. He almost had to like go see a psychiatrist because he was just like, like he was exhausted and ended up bringing in another expert in the field and they just did such a good job with this stuff a lot of these things as terrifying as they were they were actually just hand puppets and yep. the dog mouth and everything and it, it just worked it was gory you, you knew it was 1982 but the effects in this movie i thought they knocked it out i mean a lot of them were a little bit goofy but still unbelievably disturbing mm. and but they they mixed it in with the way that they would this thing would take the shape of someone, like Dave said, it would shape shift. It would take the form of someone that you thought was a real person. And then when it revealed itself as a monster, it would still have their face twisted into this gory mess. It was absolutely amazing what they did with this. And I think it's John Carpenter's best movie. And I, th- I thought that this was um, a perfect, a perfect movie. I yeah. agree. It's very, it's just very unsettling for multiple different reasons. So some of the stuff that you said, Dave, like the the fear of not knowing who could be one of these things and trying to figure that out. And and we get to feel that because we don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not I love that they didn't like tip their hand as to who it was. You know how some movies will do that? Yeah. They'll let you know, like, hey, it's this guy. Everyone else doesn't know, but you get to know. I didn't want to know. I wanted to be on that journey. And trying to figure it out with them like oh who is actually going to be one of these things so i thought they did that part beautifully because 
there's parts of the movie where you even think that the main character, Kurt Russell, could actually be one of the things as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just you wouldn't think so because he's the main character, but you just didn't know because they were setting up red herrings and everything for every single character in this movie, and they did it great. Uh, I honestly Russell, thought when I was uh, I'm sorry to jump in, but just to go on that, like when he came in from the snow, which is the scene where you think that he might be he might be the thing mm-hmm. at that point. I was like, that's probably where this movie's going to go, right? It's probably going to have a twist. I hadn't, I had never seen the movie before. I thought I did, but I did. I, upon watching it, I was, I was like, I must have been confusing it with a different movie that I've seen. But so this is my first time watching it today, and I, I was, when he came in from the snow, his eyes were blue. He was all frosty. You thought, man, you know, he might, he might actually be the thing, and I thought that was going to be maybe the twist at the end that he was. He might have been. By the end of the movie, like I like how they kind of left the the ending was kind of ambiguous. You don't really know. They both could have been infected. They might have mm-hmm. neither been neither, neither of them oh. might have been infected. Yeah. So the, the, this was another thing that John Carpenter struggled with was the ending. So there was multiple endings that were shot. They were tested out. They didn't test well. They had one where he was uh, the thing. They had one where the, I think the other guy was the thing. They had one where they were both the thing. They had a few different endings. None of them tested well. They wanted sort of a positive ending, so they kind of left it in the balance where these guys are probably going to freeze to death, but maybe not. And maybe they are infected. They had another one where they did a blood test while they were outside to see if they were infected. Just none of the endings really worked. I, I don't think, I don't know if he loved the ending, but there was a lot of, like I said, a lot of issues. One of the issues was when this movie was made for TV. So you had some really bad overdubs on this the swearing, which is always hilarious. And these made for TV parts. Yeah. Now you don't really get that anymore because you don't really have these made for TV versions or they aren't as big as they used to be. But what they did in this was to reduce a lot of the gore. They used alternate camera angles in the made for TV version. So it drew out a lot of the scenes where they had to cut away from the gore. And apparently a lot of the scenes that they cut to just didn't resonate. The movie actually didn't do well originally. So it when yeah, it was, it was released... Well, it bombed because it came out the same week that E.T. was released. So E.T. was obviously a massive hit. There was a recession going on. People wanted a positive, uplifting movie. And when they saw this, they're like, this just makes me feel like shit. And it just didn't do very well in the box office. And then the made-for-TV version just made it even worse. And I was like, this, what is this piece of crap I'm watching? Because it really just wasn't as good as the actual movie. So these were the road bumps that are the speed bumps that you ran along along the way. But like many other horror movies, over time, it became accepted as one of the best ever. And that's what I think this is. Yeah, this was a, a pretty quickly became a cult, cult classic. And this was a, the case with a lot of horror movies in the 80s, especially really gory ones, because people generally didn't like it. Critics didn't like them. The uh, Academy Awards didn't like them. That's why you almost never see horror movies winning Oscars, even to this day. You don't really see it. But um and then the ones that do win Oscars are then like retroactively reclassified as not horror, <laughs> like yeah. uh, like Jaws and um, what was the other one there? Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs, exactly. But this one, this one was like the pinnacle of practical effects too. And for them to be as good as they were for that time period was pretty unusual. And I think that's what kind of sets this movie apart. They hold from, up today. They hold up today. They do. Yeah. Because they didn't try and do CGI. I don't know what was available for CGI in 1980. Well, they, they did. You saw, but you actually see this in the beginning, right? You see the spaceship in the beginning. Oh, right. CGI, yeah, yeah. And it's, I don't even think that was CGI. That was a model. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. Whatever it was, was terrible. Yeah. I mean, the models look rarely better than CGI anyways, yeah. but it was, I believe there was a, a woman who actually constructed that model. It was about yay big. Yeah. Size, so. 
Uh, so you mentioned Jesse. This movie was based on the 1950s, the thing from another planet, which is is, is kind of true, but also. Well, I'm not, not saying true. it was based off the movie. I think it was a book, wasn't it? It was a short book, yeah, a novella by yeah. I think Agatha Christie. Right. But both movies both. were based off that. But based off that, I was saying, yeah, forgive yeah, me. This, I was I was saying that there was a, a movie before this, which was a, also a rough adaptation of that story. Right. So John Carpenter, his very first movie, Dark Star, he did with his buddy Dan O'Bannon, and they they co-wrote the movie. John Carpenter directed it. It was like a horror sci-fi type of movie, and they were working together on something else, like a, almost like a sequel to it, but they just couldn't agree on what direction they wanted to go with it. O'Bannon wanted it to be like another spaceship type movie, horror. They wanted it to be sci-fi horror. O'Bannon wanted it to be like a spaceship horror. And uh, John Carpenter wanted to go the direction of that Agatha Christie book. And they just, event, and they couldn't agree. So they split. Dan O'Bannon went off and wrote his version of the movie, which was Alien. And John Carpenter went and did this, which was The Thing. And they came out with po- probably the two best <laughs> sci-fi horror movies ever made, <laughs> which yeah. I think is pretty fantastic. Yeah. The the thing I was about to bring up earlier is Kurt Russell in the 80s just didn't miss for me. Like every kurt russell movie in the 80s is so good and so like diverse too he did action movies he did horror he did drama he just did everything and he was he did he was snake plissken escape from new york was amazing yep this was amazing that was another john carpenter movie right i believe so yeah so yeah and i think there was also one of the other actors was also from escape from new york yeah so just absolutely phenomenal decade for and i like kurt russell movies to this day but in the (laughs) in the 80s though just uh big trouble in little china such a great movie so amazing another john carpenter is he is that one john carpenter as well Mm -hmm. well that one's amazing too so just a really good cast of movies cast in this movie also great having kurt russell of course but keith david was great in this movie um the tentacles on some of these effects were like terrifying. Like yeah, that was the scariest thing of all. Like just watching these tentacles like grab the dogs and stuff. Yeah. I liked oh, the uh man. I liked how they made it. You think about tentacles, you think like big and snake-like and slow, mm-hmm. but they had these like little tentacles that are moved really fast, like hissing, like like, yeah. like a snake pit or something. Yeah, it was were... really thin and wiry and slapping around. Rob Button, that's was that was the guy's name who did the uh, special effects and makeup in this. And uh, he's a legend for this because it was it was so perfectly done, especially for its time. So like, like the scene where the guy's head is kind of ripping off and like the, you have all the tendons and stuff like it looked so good. So, was, and a lot of it, they tried to recolor it to not make it too, too gory. So if you notice in some of those scenes, like a lot of it was green instead of red. Yeah, didn't matter. I mean, a, a lot of the recoloring that they tried to do was after the fact and for the made for TV version. But it I mean, it, it was just so well done. The score and a lot of these. Yeah, yeah, a lot of these scenes, like I said, when, when you have the faces involved, it, it's hard to not look at it and think it's a little bit goofy. But a lot of the other stuff, like the the stomach chomping scene, which people didn't like and they say it was, uh, they attributed to, this one came out before Alien, right? No, after. No. After, okay. So I think some people had alluded to like, there's a little bit of a ripoff of the stomach popping scene from Alien. But either way, it was different enough. And it took me by surprise. This guy's just pressing the hmm. um, the heart jumping things what are those things called the um paddles clear bonk those things 
after you say clear, you hit them in the head with it and bonk. Yeah. But, no, bonk. <laughs> For those people who aren't medical professionals in the field, you know, I'll give you the That's right. give you the loadout on that. But it actually surprised me that that one got me as like a jump scare. And the other one that got me was when he was doing the blood test. Blood test on, yeah. And the thing just, you knew it was coming, but <laughs> it still got me. So a lot of tension in this movie. That was another thing that didn't test well with audiences at the time for some reason. But at, but now that's, that's just the best part of this movie. It was very similar to Alien, like we just mentioned, but it was uh, just as just as good, if not better. We well, to to the point you were bringing up about about the tentacles, the sound design in this yeah. movie, not just the score. The score is great too, but just the like the sound effects that they put behind everything, it was just so unsettling. Mm-hmm. Just, just they. Oh my god! Just everything, almost everything in this movie is perfect. Yeah, I have one just, small, minor, little nitpick that I'm not even gonna dock the movie for. Might it, tell us. They use the fade to black transition too much in this movie. It's just, it's just done too much in this. That's that's kind of that's kind of old school. It's nitpicky, so. but it was it's it was noticeable as I was watching it. Mm, okay i didn't pick up on it there are there are things that i feel like kind of age out with movies that are like a that are you know a big thing for a certain period and then movies move away from it so i would chalk that up to probably just something of the time they used to do that a lot more back in the 60s 70s 80s you don't really see it as much anymore the score was done by the same composer who did the good the bad and the ugly absolute legend don't know how to pronounce his name so i'm not going to try but, uh, I'm actually shocked that John Carpenter didn't do the score himself. Yeah, I think, I mean, he ended up doing that in Halloween because he didn't get along with his composer. He fired the composer and just wrote it himself. But if, that's not a thing that he normally does, I don't think. Mm. It's impressive. It's a talented man. Yeah, seriously. Absolutely is. I had no problem with the score in this movie. I thought it was good. But yeah, kind of the ending theme, little dun-dun. Mm-hmm. Dun dun! It almost sounded like it was going to go into a western song, and I picked up on that when I was watching the movie. I'm like, I'm like drumming along with it and stuff like that. I'm like, I, I enjoy this score, but it really sounds like it's about to hit some twangy kind of Red Dead Redemption type. Kind of works though, because there's sort of a face off at the end. Yeah, right. It like was almost like a duel right at the end of the movie. It was very cool. My my only little nitpick was towards the end, Kurt Russell was kind of making. He's like, it wants to freeze us out. And he seemed to be coming up with things. I'm like, well, how'd you learn that? So there was a little bit of him knowing a little too much about what this thing's intentions were when the whole point of the movie is the whole unpredictability of this monster. Hmm. This is another big difference between this and the 1950s version, which was this monster was a man in like an alien suit. And he's going to look like this the whole movie. This movie, he never took a form. You think maybe you're kind of seeing its final form in the end of the movie when you had the giant tentacles and stuff, but you don't know. And that was kind of the whole point of this movie. And it kind of took me off a little bit. Again, it's not going to dock a score for me at all, but when he seemed to know a little too much about a thing that they know nothing about. That's a good point. I hadn't picked up on that, but I, I agree. That does seem a little odd. What What I don't get about towards the end of the movie is when there's only four of them left, like the whole point is it, it tries to isolate one person to take over them, right? Like it has to basically envelop them. So when there's four left, three of them go off to do something. Why would you ever leave one alone? Why wouldn't all four of you just go? Yeah, that's a good question. That 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 kind of broke it from I'm like I'm like they're just setting it up because they want to make this tension part, but they can still 
they can separate them. There's the ways to, I mean, they did it in the end of the movie. Anyways, they found ways to separate the three of them that were together. Mm-hmm. You could have done that with four people. I don't see why you couldn't have done that. So that was a little silly. Like in my mind, like, cause I, I think if a normal people would just be like, we're not, we're not, not breaking apart. Right. You can't right. even break into pairs because if yeah, one of you is infected, that- then you're screwed. So you have to be with four people. I think the idea is it's a big facility and they all had their tasks that they, they needed to get done, different doors to board up, placing dynamite in different rooms. So I think the idea was it was such a big task that if they all stuck together, then it would have worked. Also, it's a horror movie, so they're going to split them up. But I understand the the idea of why would you? Because if any of us were in that scenario, we'd be like, no, everyone stay right here where we could see everybody and you know yeah. we're strength in numbers, right? That, that would probably be the scenario. Let's do this but, blood test every 10 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The work that they put into this movie is unbelievable. All the behind behind the scenes stuff, the way that they built this factory out then the set that they shot it on, I believe it was at universal, but they also filmed on location and everything. But the, I was watching some stuff about the background of like how they set up these rooms and they wanted to seem a little bit claustrophobic, but you still wanted to have an idea of the size of this facility. And they basically settled on just setting up a whole bunch of AC units in these cold rooms and just pumping in a ton of AC to get the, get to get the studio cold enough the hallways they weren't settled with it so they added pipes above in the hallways to make it just seem more claustrophobic and just the the work that they did behind the scenes on setting this whole thing up is is magnificent if you haven't seen any like documentaries or behind the scenes stuff i highly recommend you look up how they went about building the sets for this movie and shooting and everything and it's one of those movies where i'm like i don't know if i'd want to be an actor for this movie i mean it's an awesome movie it's iconic but i don't like the cold and anytime I have to watch like an abandoned, like stranded in the snow movie, I'm like, it's not for me. Give me something <laughs> in a desert. I just don't want to be cold. So for that reason, it gets a two. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The, that ending scene you brought up where like you just kind of left unknown. Do you know the popular theory as to who it is and why they think it's that person? That's no. actually. So if you watch the scene again, when they're sitting there talking, Kurt Russell, as he's talking, you can see his breath like hardcore. It's almost like a, it's just like smoke pouring out of his mouth from the, from mm-hmm. the cold. And then they cut over to Keith David and nothing's coming out. Oh, And that's supposed to, I can't remember. I, I didn't look it back up today. I can't remember if John Carpenter confirmed it or not, but that's how you tell that, you know, that Keith David's character is the one that's actually already transformed. If that's true, I love it because um, I like the ambiguity. I like that they don't tell you what's going to happen. They leave you wondering. They leave you unsettled. And mm-hmm. I love – that's just my favorite kind of a horror movie ending is an ambiguous one, which this one definitely is. Yeah. But the good thing is they're both screwed, right? It doesn't matter who it is. Yep. Theoretically, they're both screwed. And the doctor, the one that goes crazy a little bit, mm-hmm. he understands right away how it's going to be solved right like you have to all die yeah everybody has to die they have to blow the place up so that that thing can't spread because he's running the numbers on his 1982 computer which is computing quite fast for a 1982 computer yeah and letting him know how long it's going to take for this thing to essentially take over the world if it gets out there so he's like fuck like we have to all die because we cannot risk getting this thing out and that's why he starts to go crazy Mm-hmm. so yeah great great oh, touch there you know what the scariest part of this movie is in my opinion was the, the i think it was the second guy to die where he 
he, they, the, the guy comes into the room and sees him like he's like all tangled up in the, the tentacle there and runs back out and he's like, it's got, what's his face? So they, they run in and he's gone, but he went out through the window. So they chase him and he's like staggering his way through the snow. Yeah. And then they're like, that's not him. That's not him. Stop. And then it just pans over to his face and his mouth is wide open and he just starts making that really loud sound. Like, dude, such a, such a chilling Phenomenal scene. scene. That yeah. was, I was like, damn, this is actually scary. This is actually yeah. scary the way that they're doing this scene. Cause he was kind of a goofy looking guy mm-hmm. and it was hard to picture him in a scary scene. And that, that, that scene was perfect. Yeah. Terrifying. That was another thing too, is the reason that a lot of these scenes were outside is after they finished the movie, they looked at it and it's like, it's just a bunch of dudes talking to each other inside the whole movie. So you'll notice if you go back and watch it again, that a lot of these scenes, they're just having conversations outside by a fire or something for Mm -hmm. no reason. There's no reason for them to be out there other than the fact that there was just too many scenes shot of people in just a bunch of dudes standing around inside because the whole movie's dialogue, right? Other than the crazy scenes, but (laughs) all the special effects. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there was just a little too much of that. So that was one thing that they went back and fixed. Right. This I love I love this movie. So on that, real quick, interesting. Uh, all male cast, not a single female. You don't see that a lot in movies, especially horror movies, where you have like the final girl and, mm-hmm. and things like that. This was a all male cast. And what was the other thing I was going to say? Unrelated. I forget. Well, I, I want to hit on one more scene before we start to give scores, and maybe you'll think of what you're trying to remember there. the The blood test scene. To your point, Jesse, we know something's going to happen, but as they're doing it, it catches you so off. For some reason, it still catches you off guard when it when it reacts with that one guy, because for some reason, you're just not suspecting him. They do a great job of not giving you any reason to suspect that that's the dude it's going to be. And it's probably why you should think it's him all along. And then his reaction as soon as the blood is it reacts to the to the test. And he starts like shaking and just transforming is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And the guy being so scared to react gets himself killed because he can't even, you know, because Kurt Russell's gun kind of jams, like the flamethrower kind of jams on him. The other guy's too like taken aback to even sh- shoot this guy with his flamethrower and it ends up costing him his life. It's like just a, a really well done scene all around. What, uh, what, what kind of gets left out of that scene and doesn't really get talked about is how great the other actors tied to the chair did because their demonstration of panic was so authentic. Yeah. So imagine being tied to a chair with that thing. <laughs> like yeah. that would be so terrifying. Yeah. And they really, they really uh, nailed that. I can't remember what the scene was exactly, but something relatively insignificant was happening. Like they're just kind of setting up to board up doors or something like that. And for some reason, Kurt Russell's calls out, calls out, he's like, windows get in here. Then he came in and they just kind of kept going about the scene. I was like, why was it? I don't know if there was some sort of dialogue that was cut out, but like he just randomly just like as if I were just like if, as if the wife got home. I was like, Demetri, get in here. And we just continue with our podcast. Like, like <laughs> it was just there was no reason like then nothing pressing for him to do in that exact moment. It just oh, I think like, he wanted everyone like, together. You don't want this. It goes back to you don't want the one person being a straggler, right? Yeah, maybe I, I'm going to have to go back. And why are you not with us? Right. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, then maybe that, that, that makes sense actually. The the other thing I liked during the blood testing is after all the everything's done, they get to the last guy that they all think is definitely one of the thing, right? Like they're doing him last because they're sure he's one of them. And he's just on the couch by himself and they test it and he's not he's not infected. 
And his his line back to them is, I don't know why it just cracked me up so much when he's like, gentlemen, I know you've been having a bad day. It's been pretty terrible. But if you can unfucking tie me from this chair and just start screaming out. <laughs> that was a great scene. So great good. Scene. So good. So anything else you guys wanted to hit on in this movie? His death was really unique and creepy. Oh yeah, his death was pretty good. With he, he just the as the scientist comes, he just like puts his hand inside the skin of his face and yeah. just pulls his like <laughs> pulls him away by his face. So weird and just unnatural looking. Yeah. That this was movie a- was so this is like this is I believe the case with sci-fi movies. We talk about too much monster. How a horror movie can if you have too much monster it becomes less scary. I believe that that's never the case with sci-fi movies, which is why I think this movie, they show a lot of monster and you still want more monster because number one, it's not really the rule for a sci-fi movie. Number two is you get it in different forms and every form is so disturbing and cool to look at that uh, yeah. you're just like, oh, how's it? Like, I want to see more. Like when, what's the next thing going to be? The upside down head spider thing, <laughs> just iconic. <laughs> hilarious so evasive you just see it just wander out of the room and just stands there behind the door and they're like oh <laughs> flamethrower done <laughs> that was great it's such a good movie that's so good all right let's give it some scores i'm obviously giving this a five spider heads out of five <laughs> same i'm with you also five this is just i've always said this is my all-time favorite horror movie i think i might have said i liked evil dead rise better but this was just this is a classic and belongs at the top of the list. Yeah. Yeah, that's five. It's five across the board, boys. Easy. Five spider heads. Five spider heads. Five <laughs> spider heads sitting on a, on a branch. Yes. Yes. All right. That's going to do it for this horror movie review. Are we going to, are we reviewing the remake next? Yes. Okay. That's the whole, that was the whole process here. We are reviewing this one to be happy. And then we're going to review the remake. To be Perfect. Sad. All right. Well, <laughs> thank our thank our patrons real quick for the VIPs. We have D- uh, Dave D, Kate and Steve M. We have Blizzora, the ghost that haunts the Discord chat. Joseph S. Glitter Tease Cammy from Washington. Jennifer P. Dakota G. We have Nick Donnie N. Inspires Gaming and Ellison V. Thank you so much for being VIPs. Oh, as well as Robert H. And hometown ghost stories loves Ohio. And Jeannie R. I've missed a whole bunch of VIPs here. I apologize. Uh, Mallory K. Demon King. Mom and Pops W. And Lisa J. You know, threw me off was the uh, foreign currency from Robert H, who actually made it to a live stream the other day. So I recommend you with the time difference there being there and also your difference with your other currency. But thank you so much for being VIPs and for the Warren's Wards. Forgive me as I refresh with this new interface situation, not interface, but this new situation that Patreon has uh, once again ruined. Who do they have working at Patreon that's in charge of the interface? They're like, who? how can we make this worse for everybody? Yep, they (laughs) do a good job of doing that. We have nefarious Chad Poles in the Warren's Wards, as well as Jeanette Wahini Pirate. I hate Rob. Eugene M. Kath Q. Rob needs to go to CrossFit. I love you, Dave. We have DC. We have Chris Connolly, LBPS founder, next HGGS guest. We have the other Rachel B., Sarah Cook, Stitch Kitten, Ambie Rose, Janice G., Masturbation Bacon. We have Lily, Rachel B. We have Dave's tiny porcelain hands with unseen doll lips we have rob's orphaned brother with a long neck we have <laughs> that one changed again it didn't anyways we have oh it didn't okay we have the sydney the sydney b we have papa squatch we have make uh i'm sorry mike the epitome of mischievous nu- nuclear herbs blake i think you should pronounce that the epitome 
the epitome of mischievous <laughs> nuclear herbs. Blake, we have Jake V. We have two demons, one sock, all bad accents. Steph A. We have geography is hard. And for also ghost if, pirate if, mafia. for the ghost pirate mafia. Also, if your name isn't on this list and it should be, I apologize, but Patreon is being weird. So for the ghost pirate mafia, we have angel F monstrous mom, zero four read M ghost frog friend zone, Shannon K alley. We have dark snark. We have Rob molesting. Jesse's face makes my nipples hard. We have one of ghost Rob's yeeted orphans, Mo- uh, Megan and Morgan S we have spaghetti. I'm sorry. Those are separate ones. We'll read them separate. Megan S and Morgan S we have spaghetti monsters. You still Chance. put them together. You still Rob. said, and I say, and between all of them, right? No, yeah. we have Megan S and we have Morgan S and we have spaghetti monster chance rob hates peasants we have ghost stories of the paranormal podcast mark twain and the haunting grape julie s sharon v arcade hunters wayne c kelly c we have rob and kermit doing the stump hump crystal quinn aaron a mina h colby we have the ghost of kermit says x going rabbit to you we have alicia e we have thick boy freddie allegedly yeeting lil matthew for haunting his poorly cursed assorted spectral pastas <laughs> pork we have hometown ghost stories part two same show now with 15 extra minutes of jesse explaining everything sam from Nepal, Joe R. Don't know how to say that. Ngati kangaroo. All right. Some 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 sort of Australian kangaroo shit from Joe R. We have uh, <laughs> Paul from St. Louis. We have Ashley M. We have Al Capone, Huggy Bear. We have Uchiwala Bang Bang Dick, King of the Crabites, Solar Flare, Mariah M. Kirili J. Anthony, the Sideways Walking Crabite, T. Brandon W. Hooper the Hellhound, Dave vs. 100 Alpha Frogs, and Nightbot has become sentient. Give Nightbot your souls. $3 a month will get you on Patreon, and uh, $1 a month will get you on YouTube. Uh, thank you so much for being members of Patreon. You have helped the show more than you know. Other ways you can help the show is drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already, and let us know which movie you want us to review next. Yes, we're actually going to start a list soon. We are. We're, we're very bad about that. That's the one thing we are bad about is starting our movie review list. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we're bad at is ending the show in a timely fashion. We'll see you next time. Bye.